Welcome back to another episode of Crush and Lemons. As always, my name is Ryan and I'll be your host each episode. As the old saying goes, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Here on Crush and Lemons, we're dedicated to sharing the inspirational stories of our guests each week who've persevered through life's challenges. On today's episode, our special guest is Dar, and she's going to share her story of what it was like growing up with a single mother and then caring for her mother in her final days. She's also going to talk about how her faith was her rock during this entire experience, and she finally discovered the family she always knew she had. And now it's time to sit back, relax, grab some lemonade, and join us as Dar tells her story of how she was able to take her lemon moment and make her very own lemonade. Welcome back, everybody. On today's episode, our special guest is Dar. And to get the episode started, I will turn it over to her to introduce herself. Hello, my name is Darnesia Slade. That's my full name, but um, all of my colleagues and friends call me Dar, but then all my family actually call me Penny. That's my family name, Penny. That's a whole nother story, but we won't talk about that today. (laughs) Um, Originally from Detroit, born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, and now living in the Upper Peninsula, um, Houghton, Michigan, um, more specifically South Range, Michigan. So Dar's another uh, friend that I made while I was up at school at Michigan Tech. So I'm so thankful that she was willing to join me today and tell her story. So let's dive right in. And why don't you kind of set the story and give the listeners some information about what your lemon moment was? I was pretty much raised an only child. I was raised by my mother and my grandmother and uh, never knew my father. Uh, My mom was 16 when she had me. Everything that I learned in life was really from my mother and my grandmother and her siblings and, of course, uh, other people. I was traveling. I graduated from Michigan Tech University. When I was at Tech, actually about to graduate, I had an epiphany. It was like February and I was about to graduate in May. And I was like, I don't want to (laughs) work. What can I do? How can I become a professional student? I went to our international programs office and somehow decided that I would extend my studies for a year and go to Finland and study international business. So I delayed um, adulthood for yet another year and it was exciting. But while I was in Finland, I found out about this organization called Up With People. And they came to um, the city that I was uh, studying in, in Finland, and did this show and then talked about recruiting people to come on the road with them. And then Ryan, as you know, I'm darn like, yes, let's do it. So I actually interviewed that night and um, was accepted for the um, January 1999 cast of Up With People. So travel for a couple years. And in December of probably no October of 99, I knew that um, God was calling me to go back home. But my cast manager extended an offer for me to um, go for another year. So I traveled for a whole nother year. And then after that, my cast manager said, six more months. I got another opportunity for six months for you to go and support another cast. And I had accepted the offer. But what ended up happening, the organization shut down. So in end of 2000, um, I was forced home. And within probably 
a year of me getting home, my mother fell ill. They really couldn't tell me what was going on. I started noticing some memory loss and, you know, I was repeating myself to her several times. And again, by me being the only child, for the most part, I was carrying all of this on my own. I had support, no question, but when it came to health decisions and things like that, it was pretty much on me. But at around the same time, um, I am a, a, a strong believer in prayer is really important to me. And so I was praying and God told me to find my father, but I have very limited information about my father. So, but I was like, no, I'll just delay that. I told God, no, essentially. <laughs> and so I was focused on my mom at the it tell end of 2003, going into 2004. I, I vividly remember early January, uh, my mom, they had resuscitated her several times. And for some reason, most times I had some support in the hospital with me, but at this moment I didn't. It was just me there. And I just told God, I'm ready. You know, I'm ready to release my mother. And, and, um, and I told them to not to resuscitate her again. Within, you know, hours or so, they honored my request and my mom was gone. And I had peace about it. Um, and even oh. though it was a tough decision, I, I don't ever, I strongly recommend if I could to tell people to have wills in place so that you know what your family members' wishes are and um, you don't have to make tough decisions when you're faced with something like that. But um, I felt peace about it and, and it was okay. And, um, but it was tough. I was the only child and, you know, struggle with that. But I literally felt like during that time that God picked me up and rocked me like a baby. If I could say it that way and really care for me and cover me. And, and so, um, so that was my, that was my lemon moment. Looking back, when you found out she was sick and started to realize, not sure what was going on, what was kind of your biggest fear in that moment? I, I think um, I think part of it was, you know, the the doctors not really having a a solid diagnosis of what was going on with her. I felt like I was at a point in my life where my mom would always tell me you know, I want you to have a better life than me. And so she really encouraged. I didn't, I didn't know education was an option. I didn't know college was an option because she pretty much <laughs> forced it or told me that I would go to college someday. I think just the, the, the agony of, you know, not getting, you know, real answers of what was going on and whether she could get better. And so I think that was probably the, the toughest part while I was in it at the time. So you mentioned that you had to kind of make that tough decision about towards the end of her life. Um, would you say that was kind of your lowest point or was there a different point in this journey that you kind of felt at your lowest, you maybe have hit rock bottom? That's a good question too, Ryan. I think the lowest point, I'll say it this way. I think oftentimes we keep our family members here longer than they want to be here if I could say it that way. And, you know, we want them here 
Um, and it's not necessarily selfish, but it can be viewed as selfish when they're ready to go. They're ready to not be in agony anymore. So I think the the toughest part was coming to grips with, okay, you, you have to let her go. And you have to know that you're going to be okay. Um, and I think that was probably the lowest point or the, the toughest part of of the whole experience. There were days, I promise you, because my mom's memory was going that, you know, she would repeat herself. And um, there were times where I just cried and I was frustrated, especially as a caretaker. That's a whole nother aspect of it, um, especially if you're doing it day in and day out. And again, I did have support. And but um, when the weight of those decisions are pretty much on you, it's um, it's challenging. But I would say my decision that I had to the reality of having to let her go was the challenge. You'd mentioned that prayer was a very useful tool for you during this entire process. Are there any other resources that you kind of discovered along the way um, that you found particularly helpful as well? I mean, my I I, I can emphatically say that it, my faith was was the root or the foundation or the strength um, of everything. And I just never imagined that I, that I, that is how I would have responded to it. Um, But I did, I had supportive family um, and, you know, people that really encouraged me in self-care in the midst of that. And so I think that especially if there's anyone out there that um, are caretakers, the it is vitally important that you take time to breathe, uh, take time away and take time to care for yourself in the midst of caring for a loved one. And I feel like that's a really good, important message to share. Um, a lot of times during tragedy or times where life's are getting towards the end, people sometimes forget about themselves and remembering that you also have to take care of yourself as well as the people you love. So maybe taking that time to step back, reflect, to pray, and really kind of figure out what you need to get through all of this is really important. Right. And that could be pampering yourself. That could be just sitting by the water, reading a book. I mean, for everybody, it may be a little bit different, but Taking a road trip. I like the road trip. <laughs> I didn't do that, but yeah, whatever that, whatever that escape or that solace place would be for, for you. I think that's really important. So you mentioned there was kind of a, a network of people around you as well that helped you get through this. Was there anyone in particular that was kind of your rock during all of this? Outside of God, no. And that's not a slight on anybody. But I will say that that was that was just my strongest force or my strongest influence. And I, I think that um, for me as a spiritual person um, where my my Christian faith is important to me, sometimes we put expectations on people that they cannot they can't give you. And um, and so that I guess that is why I really look to God in that time as as a source of knowledge and information and ordering my steps and figuring out, you know, what to do when. But I think that oftentimes people rely on individuals or people that 
in a way that they cannot support you through something like that. I think that's a great way to look at it. And um, again, I feel like there's there's a lot of times where people may forget these things when they are going through this in the instance. So being able to have somebody to talk to and help kind of um, reflect on it is is really good. And that's, you know, it's interesting that you say that, but, um, you know, because I've had friends who obviously have lost parents as well. But I, I in retrospect, and I've never, ever thought about this until this moment, Ryan. So this might be we might be shifting to lemonade, but I never really never it never dawned on me that I did not have any grief support or anything after after my mom passed away. Not not formally. I'll say it that way. But I think that that's um, also another avenue post whatever that experience of grief may be to to find some support as well. Even though I didn't uh, formally have that, I think I had friends that were praying for me. I know I had friends and family and, you know, congr- people from my family or my church that family that were praying for me and in a unique way as well. So I think that 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 helped as well. And I know I've talked with some of my other guests in the past where we've reflected on it's important to allow yourself to go through that grieving process whatever that means for you as an individual. So if that is more of a a formal grieving process or just being close to people that you love, and sometimes it's taking time by yourself and reflecting inwardly. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's different for everybody, but to remember grieving is a natural part of life and to take the time to do what you need to do to be able to go through that grieving process. People were really kind of like amazed by my strength, like, wow, look how, look how strong she is. And, um, I didn't know that at the time I was just going through, you know, when you're in, you know, funeral memorial planning mode, there's a mold, I think, but, uh, people were just really shocked with how I was carrying myself. And I do, I believe that my, I drew again, I drew my strength from God in that. But the other thing that I learned, um, a lesson that I learned in that is also that, like you said, people grieve differently and you cannot tell people how to grieve. Um, and you know, that was something that I observed and because, because I was there, I, there, I displayed this sense of strength or, you know, what people saw on the outside, people could have had the impression that I was not grieving or that I didn't have a grieving process or, you know, wow, maybe she's happy her mom is gone. I don't, you know, you don't know. But I think that um, oftentimes we think, oh, they have to cry and they have to do this and that there is a process, but you can't tell people how to grieve a loved one. And you could be siblings in the same family and one sibling may have a completely different reaction to the loss of a parent compared to another one. And so that is something that I always, um, you know, tell people that I'm supporting with loss as well is that there is, there's no prescription. And so no one can tell you how to grieve. I think that's a, a great thing to remember and to share with people. So kind of, uh, is there anything else in your lemon moment that you want to share or do you want to transition more to the lemonade and start kind of talking about that? The only other interesting fact about that 
that moment that of, of time in my life was that I was actually in ministry school. So I was, I was in my second year of ministry school. So that pretty much meant that I was going to school from eight to noon every day and then working full-time job. So I, I, I'm really shocked and I think I'm leaning towards lemonade with how I was balancing all of those things. I, I have no idea how I did it all, but making a tough decision, I think I maybe took a week off and, and um, having to get back into what life would be was hard um, as well. But for some reason I didn't want to take a long time off and I, um, and I think that I was shifting to what would I, my mom want me to do. And I focused on that. So as we kind of step forward in your story, after reflecting on all of this, what would you say is kind of your lemonade that you were able to create or experience after going through the loss of your mother and going through that lemon moment? If you re- remember earlier, I said that I, you know, I had a, a prompting God that told me to find my my father and that my mom had me at, at 16, very young. And again, I, I put all that to side aside. And, and once my mom was gone and, you know, I had times to myself that came back up again. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't really, I could probably count on one hand how many conversations that I had with my mother about my father. So I didn't have, a lot of information, but I journaled and I went back to some old journals and all the information that I had was my, my father's name, an old address of my, my father's mother. And I think, I think, and that he, he worked I don't even think I knew that part. Nope, I didn't. But it was very limited information. And so this is the power of reflecting. So I do encourage people to have some outlet of reflection because that that was really my mom was gone and I didn't have any information outside of what I had in my journal that I had written years back. And I started I reached out on it must have been email at that time. I said, hey, I'm trying to find my father, my network of friends. And that included my up with people network of friends. And all I had was, again, his name and um, that he was originally his hometown and his mother's address. So one friend sent me this whole list of people that had the same name in the area. And I literally started calling person by person. Hey, are you this person? And, you know you know, do you know anything? And so, and I was doing that and I got exhausted and God was like, that's not the way, put it down. And I was like, okay, it's not going to happen this way. So, um, probably six months later, my friend and I went to a conference at Joe Lewis arena in Pontiac, Michigan. And, um, it was a Joyce Meyer conference. She's a, um, kind of like a tele-evangelist. Um, and she was doing a, a local conference. So we went to the conference and we saved three seats. Don't know why we saved three seats and we were up near the front. So this random lady comes next to, sits, 
comes down the aisle and was like, is this seat taken? We're like, nope, I guess we're saving it for you. She sat next to me and we just started talking. You know, of course, you say, where are you from? Da, 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 da. She was from my dad's hometown. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I am, you know, interested in finding my dad. And she, we exchanged numbers. And probably within two weeks, she called me and she was like, hey, give me the information you have about your dad and I'll see if I can do some legwork for you. So she went to a local library and actually found my grandfather's, my father's father's obituary on microfilm. And um, and she um, had my grandmother's address that I had. So she went to the house and come to find out some of my extended cousins were living there at the house. I literally, <laughs> I literally have goosebumps right now as you're telling this story. <laughs> and so she said, yeah, I'm looking for, she said my father's name. And, um, they was like, Oh, we're cousins, but his brother lives this and this in this place right here in this hometown. So she went to my uncle's house and my uncle said, you know, I think my brother did talk about having a daughter, but um, he's in Detroit and that's where he's always, that's where he's been forever working for a major car company. Company, He was working for Chrysler, so I'll say that part. So all that time, my dad was right in the city of Detroit where I was born and raised and I never crossed paths with him. So that is literally how I found my dad. And that also meant that I inherited siblings and nieces and nephews. And that was so exciting for me as an only child of my mother. So it was it was pretty cool. And um, my first, obviously my uncle prepped my dad that I was going to call. And when I called my father, I said, do you know who this is? And he said, yes, this is my baby. And those are his first words to me. I have more goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say. This is, this is an incredible it's story. Crazy. It, was, it was just was just wild. So literally the same year that my mom passed, my mother passed in January 2004, and I met my father in May, June. My father, I met my father and my sister at the same time and her husband and my niece and nephew all in the same day, um, same year, 2004. So for you, what was it like knowing that you had found your father after searching and after losing your mother and kind of getting to know this new family? Yeah. You know, I, um, this is again, that thread of, of how God um, has just really strengthened me because I didn't go in bitter or angry, which was weird. Like I, I don't, I, I don't see it as weird because I know why, um, because I, I had grown in my, you know, my walk and my, my Christian walk. And I think that I was an adult, like at this point, you know, it wasn't about living in the past, but living in the present and the future. Of course, I, had never had my father's side of the story. So it was, I think for, from that standpoint, it was great to be able to talk to him and hear his 
side of the story. And again, my mother, excuse me, never said anything negative or positive about my dad. It was just this neutral, hypothetical person in my life, if I can say it that way. But um, so I asked him what happened and we talked about that and that was it. Um, And so it was really at that point, just focusing on being present with my father and my siblings and and building a relationship from there. So, yeah, um, I didn't really go in with any expectations. I didn't, again, I was an adult, so I didn't, there wasn't anything that I per se needed from him. But I, I think that there's, you know, a powerful sentiment in being able to make the connections of how I look like him or how I behave like him or how I respond like him and um, and my my other siblings as well. And so those those were the things that were really, really precious to me. And um, to to grow up, I had um, an aunt and uncle that were twins, my grandmother's uh, youngest children. They were only two and a half years older than me. So they were like siblings to me. So I um, I never I was never really an only child, but I had all the privileges of an only child. <laughs> This is why I'm like I am, Ray. <laughs> hey, you're perfect just the way you are, Dar. I wouldn't change Thanks. anything. But to to um to make that connection with blood siblings was actually really powerful as well. So yeah. if you were to have a piece of advice for somebody else who maybe doesn't know who one of their parents is and is looking yeah. to reconnect with them, what kind of advice would you give them? Be patient with the process. Um, there have been highs and lows, even you know, since I've been connected with my my father. Um, but I think that he he had a right to to share his side of the story, and I was absolutely grateful that my mother didn't make up a story about him that she didn't give me a, a some sort of negative impression of who my who my father was um that she was neutral in that I, that was I was really really grateful with that but I I would say go into the journey um objectively and allow I think when we put expectations again when we put expectations on people then we we can set ourselves up ourselves up for disappointment, and so um, what I have what I have purpose to do, and I'm not perfect. I don't always get it right, but um, accept my father for who he is and who he isn't, or who he wasn't, or whatever, and um, and be present with him during the moments where I can be present with him, whether I'm talking to him on the phone or I'm going to visit him or we're doing something together. And so I I would say um, that we can look back and, and live in regret and anger and bitterness or whatever. Or you can say, OK, this is the lemonade I have right now. I'm just going to sip on this. <laughs> <laughs> this may be sweet, a little sweet and a little sour, but I'm going to make this work. And you also have to decide, you know, how much you want to give or what part you want to play. And that can be a daily decision of, um, 
you know, for some it can be, I have to forgive today for, or I have to get rid of this resentment for today because my parent wasn't there or whatever the, you know, whatever may have happened. And so that could be a daily decision until you get a build up a muscle to be able to fully be present with that individual. If that relationship is important to you and that relationship is giving something to add value to your life. So you have to decide objectively what you want and, um, you know, whether it's worth pursuing, but if you are going to pursue it, you know, really be committed to the pursuit of it. Mm -hmm. And I like that you talked about, um, not in, you talked about this a little bit before, but also I feel like it relates to this is try not to build things up too much to put yourself in a position to be disappointed. Um, right. So like you said, if this is something that somebody truly wants, commit to it with their whole being, their whole self and go through the process. And it may take time and there may be disappointments along the way, um, but right. to keep pushing and persevering if this is truly something that they want in their life. Right. And I, um, I actually, I mean, my, 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 my dad is great. Um, but I, but my, you know, my aunt and uncle, my uncle, my aunt, my father only had one brother. And so my uncle and his wife, um, has, that's been the byproduct of a bonus for me because, um, because of, you know, how my uncle is and, you know, how, how caring and loving and stuff like that, that he is very different from my dad, but I get something different from him. Right. For my father. But um, the other bonus for me is that um, my siblings has never made me feel like um, I didn't belong or that, um, you know, w whether there was a question. We look alike. And so they can't really deny me. <laughs> <laughs> they never they never questioned whether um, I was their sister. And that was you know, there was really, there has not been any real drama around this, you know, this uniting. It was, it's not a reuniting, but this, this connection between my siblings and my, um, my uncle and my dad. And so that was powerful. And it's not the same story for everyone. Um, and, but it's, this is how it happened for me. And it's been really, truly a blessing. Well, thank you again for sharing your story. And hopefully this can inspire other people who may be going through a similar process, either reflecting on losing a parent or going through the end of life process for a parent or somebody who maybe is looking to reconnect with family that they, they either don't know or have lost connection with. Um, so hopefully your story can help inspire and motivate other people who are going through a similar situation. Absolutely. I hope so. And Ryan, you have my contact information. I'm very open um, about my journey and my experience, and I'm still on the journey. My, my father is um, 71 now. And, um, you know, what's important for me, and this is, again, along the lines of my, my faith, is um, regardless of what happened, is love. I'm a love. I, I'm a love person. And again, that's rooted in my my belief system. And so it's always important of whatever is going on that I tell my dad that I love him. And, you know, that's what I want to hang 
um, my hat on. That's what I want to hang this relationship on. And, and that has really helped me in, in this journey along the way is that not putting conditions on love and just loving um, unconditionally and accepting um, people for who they are and who they aren't and hoping that my dad is doing the same for me. So it's an exchange. So, yeah. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Is there any other last minute piece of advice or tip or thing that you want to add? You know, like with everything that's going on in the world, I, I am just, I'm just grateful. And I, I think that is just important for us to find I'm so happy that you're doing this podcast because I think that it's important in the midst of so many things that are happening in our world and and possibly in our personal lives that, you know, we take time. And I I mentioned that reflection, finding a way to reflect and finding a way to self-care and um, take care of yourself and take care of your family and look for um, positive, look for um, the triumph in tragedy, you know, what may be, uh, you know, a difficult or tragic situation, find something that you can draw from, even if it's a, you know, a lesson you learn, a life lesson that you can take away from it to build on, I think is important. Well, and for me personally, this podcast has kind of been that resource and that reflection. So I'm so thankful to all my guests who have been willing to sit down with me, because this really is one of the highlights of my week is getting to sit down with all these different connections and hear their stories and share their stories. Um, so again, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Ryan. Anytime. So Thanks for having me. if people wanted to kind of follow along with your story, is there any social media or things that uh, they can get in contact with you on? Uh, I am on Facebook. I'm old school. <laughs> that's all. That's all I got is Facebook. Um, and I am starting um, a podcast with uh, a couple friends, and we actually are. We do talk a little bit about our our journeys. We're from three different generations, a Xer and a Wire, and and then a, a another one that is. I, he's, I forget the the generation, but he, I, he I think identifies he, with. Yeah, I think he said he's from the Silent Generation, if I remember silent, correctly. Yes, he's yep. from Silent Generation. But he identifies with baby boomers. So we call him I. So our podcast is called Gen X, Y, and I. And um, we do talk about our life journey on there a little bit. So um, you can connect with me that way. And I'm sorry, I don't know the email. I think it's genxyi at gmail.com. And, and but, we'll, we'll confirm that and get that in the description of the podcast. Okay, so Thanks, people Ryan. can reach out to you via that way, um, as well as to definitely go check out your podcast. I'll admit that I've already listened to the first episode. Um, I saw that it came out and I found myself wanting more. So it they're they're little easy to digest podcasts. I think your first one was like 15 or 16 15 minutes. minutes. Yeah, That's our goal is fi- about 15 minute podcasts. And that's my dog in the back. That's Trotter. Um, so he uh, feels like he he's it's Napoleon complex. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if, yeah. If you guys are and Facebook is just my name, Darnicia Slade. So you can find me there, too. And um, I use Messenger. So if someone wants to send me a message and 
chat in more detail, I'm happy to do that. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely put both of those in the description of the podcast. So if people are looking to get a hold of you, they can do that there. Um, and definitely, if you want to hear more from Dar, go check out their podcast. Um, I don't want to spoil it too much, but in episode one, you can learn a little bit more about how Dar shares her love um, yes. and what it was like in their office environment. But that's all I'm yeah. going to say. Um, you have that's to go and listen to episode plug. one. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, Ryan. As always, thanks for joining us for another episode of Crush and Lemons, and a big shout out to Dar for sharing her story that will hopefully help other people who are going through similar situations. If you want to learn more about this podcast, check out our social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Crush and Lemons, and send us a tweet with ideas for future episodes. And if you or someone you know would be interested in being one of our future guests, send us a note to crushandlemons at gmail.com. Lastly, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with someone you know and consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever streaming service you've listened to today. It really helps us grow. If you're dealing with your own lemon moment, just remember you're never alone. There's always other people out there who've gone through similar things. We look forward to sharing more stories with you in the future. In the meantime, keep an ear out for when our next episode drops and work to turn your lemon moments into your very own lemonade.